1: All right, everybody. Welcome to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. We are back, and uh, we are here to discuss all things surfer culture. <laughs> no, I mean,
2: get our sex yeah. wax out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I honestly, I don't know that much about surfing, except what I know in the movies, and maybe some Beach Boy songs. Yeah, maybe some of that. But this is episode 671. Man, we're getting up there It's 671. Of standard GGTMC episodes in in, uh, in particular. And uh, here we are. We're talking Point Break this week. Last of the Love Month films. That's right. We're going to
2: conclude <laughs> Love
1: Month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this one, obviously, is all about the mutual admiration slash maybe a little bit of attraction uh, that is involved between Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze in Point Break. A film that you would have thought, because we'd have thought, That we covered before now, but uh, here we are actually going to talk about it. Catherine Bigelow directed. Nineteen ninety was it ninety one or ninety two? I think ninety two. I think is what IMDb says. I think. Really, well, I would trust them over me. So, well, ninety one might be. It might be. Yeah, ninety one might be accurate though. You know how it is. You know how. You know, I don't know when these things release. Actually, sometimes IMDb will give you ninety two, and it came out at the end of ninety one or. I can't remember. So here's the thing. The true story, I didn't see Point Break in the theaters. I saw that on VHS. I would have seen that on VHS. I don't know why I didn't go see it in the theaters. It looks like it was made just for me, but um, just one of those ones that I didn't make it to. You know what I mean? You can't see them all in theaters, babe. No, you can't. You can't. I can't claim this one. I did not see this one in theaters. So, But that's what we'll be talking about. Again, concluding Love Month, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. And hey.
2: You know what's weird?
1: Sorry to interject. My IMDb says 91. Well, there you go. Maybe your IMDb is correct. Maybe my IMDb is wrong. Or maybe, just maybe, yeah, it says 91 on mine, too. So maybe I just thought I was smarter than IMDb. For once, (laughs) I'm right on one of these. (laughs) I'm
2: usually a year or two off, man. I'll take the victories when I can get it. Shit. Shit.
1: I don't. I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know if I've. Uh, I don't know why I wrote ninety two down, but I did. So I'm just going to roll with um, you know what it is. But it is ninety one. You are correct. So that would have been the year I, I was eighteen years old in ninety one. So pretty big year for me.
2: You were probably old enough to be grommet in this film, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe.
1: I got. I got some. There's some things about this movie I really like, and I used to push on people, and I'll. Explain that to people, and I mean, and, and will explain it when we do our review. I'll, I'll talk about it in more detail that way. So we'll get to that. Um, all right, so that's what we're doing. We've concluded Love Month. It's been it's been awesome. Uh, we might do some more theme months this year. You never know. We kind of have some fun doing it. It is a lot of work though when you do the theme months. You gotta kind of be careful, and you gotta, you know, one of the reasons why we always let's just get this out there for those who might be new listeners. One of the reasons why we have such a large swath that we cover is because we set it up that way because we watched such a large swath of films we didn't want to be stuck with you know just watching action movies or just watching horror movies although that sounds fun we've been doing this for 16 years going on 16 years
2: yeah you don't want to you don't want to pen yourself in i always tell people that like it's cute if you want to be the the podcast about android ninja movies mm. But you're going to get burned out watching Android Ninja <laughs> movies. You'd think you wouldn't. Yeah. Even Jali or whatever. Like, listen, cast a wide net. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get it out there. Get that net. Throw it wide. Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't confound yourself, man. Don't play yourself.
1: Yeah. Well, that's right. That's right. Um. All right. So we got a little bit of feedback here. Uh, let me get into it. We got something from, uh, let me double check and make sure this is for the air. Um, This is from Jacob He just kind of sent us a tip That he recently went to the world premiere Of a documentary That he thinks would interest us The movie is called The Movie Man and It's about a man who built his own movie theater by hand In the middle of nowhere In a forest for about, about three hours north of Toronto You know anything about this?
2: Funny you should say that uh, I do know it quite well And I, it's funny, I, I'd seen that from Jacob Thanks for sending that obviously and it didn't really click with me. And now that I'm running on about three hours sleep, it seemed to click with me. <laughs> so this gentleman is fascinating. I have a, a good friend mm-hmm. who has a, a cottage. Cause this theater is in cottage country.
1: Yeah. I'd say so. It's in the middle of nowhere. It says town only has about 300 people.
2: He's got a lot of cats
1: there. He runs a lot of stuff. Like he'll have like first run stuff. Kinmount, Kinmount, I
2: yeah, guess Kinmount theater, dude. Yeah. Like, my buddy's been trying to get me to go to the Kinmount theater for about three, four years come up to the cottage for the weekend, go check out some movies, bring the boys. And I just, you know, I haven't made it, I haven't been able to make it happen yet, but, um, I got to do it, man. Cause it, it seems like a really unique experience, mm-hmm. right? He's got some memorabilia there. And I, to be honest with you, I had even thought when I was talking to my, my friend Todd about this, uh, not the Prince of Pennsylvania, not, not, uh, the royalty from Dutch country, yeah. you all know and love, uh, I had even contemplated trying to get this guy on the show for an interview.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh he's a uh, older man now, but he's been doing this for about forty years, as he says. And uh, he's uh yeah. The, the, uh, Jacob says he's a very endearing curmudgeon type of way, in a curmudgeon type of way. <laughs> yes, that's
2: that's the vibe I've I've gotten what I from what I've been told.
1: But it doesn't have any U.S. Uh, distribution rights yet. It does have some Canadian ones. Uh, so, I might be available to see at some point, but he managed to catch it. And so, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'm definitely interested in this film, no doubt. Labor of Love, man. Yeah, labor of love. Guy that loves movies and shows movies. And yeah, on the uh, poster for the movie, it shows cats, it shows a guy, uh, older gentleman, it shows movies, it shows a little bridge, and it shows a bear and a thing of popcorn. So, it pretty much encapsulates kind of what you were talking about. Yeah, there are bears. It's it's a beautiful area. Yeah, I'd imagine there would be bears, yes. That's interesting. So I will keep that email because I will keep that movie in front of my radar. Let's put it that way. Uh, okay, uh, I got some voicemail from Walt here. Here we go.
3: Gentlemen, had a chance to sit at work and binge listen to Cotton Comes to Harlem today on Monday. Great episode, interesting film. I look forward to checking it out. It's on Tubi which is my kind of thing, because lately, physical media, out of control. The prices, I mean. Come on. Had a look at Stop Making Sense with shipping on 4K, about 60 bucks. I'm out at that price, (laughs) but I'll keep watching movies. My journey through Hong Kong cinema continues. Royal Warriors with Michelle Yeoh. Incredible action. The rest of it, uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to be the low vote of three and a half out of five stars. But then again, I'm a miserable person, and I hate everything. <laughs> My this or that this week is a tribute to the Mondo Caliber 9 from Outer Space podcast. What they've been doing lately, William Devane or Eric Roberts. I'll remind you, Eric Roberts has 781 credits, and I expect that you've seen every single one of them. No, Bye. No, we
2: have not. <laughs> something to aspire to something to, I love, I love the,
1: that's a very energetic
2: Walt, uh, voicemail. I love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was, uh, he felt like he, uh, he really got it in in under a minute too. I was watching the time. He really kind of cranked it out. I felt like he might've been watching a clock.
2: It was like a three way between like a radio <laughs> DJ, a monster truck, MC and a strip club, uh, DJ. It was <laughs> or micro, the
1: micro machines dude. It was just yeah a little bit of that too. <laughs> beautiful. Um, let's uh yeah so i don't i i don't have a whole lot to say about the michelle yo film i mean i i like it
2: good film and i agree with him i agree yeah. with
1: him some of the film's a bit of a slog
2: um i love that you know she got her flowers criterion had all those films of hers out well, but not a great film yeah good and, film.
1: yeah and the, the, one of the other things i'll address on him because i am a you know physical media collector the the truth is is that it's just becoming harder and harder uh it's gonna it's gonna i think it's gonna stay that way um too much availability now with streaming. Most people don't even understand if you meet the layman out there now, they don't even understand why you buy movies anymore. They don't even get it. I mean, I talk to people all the time and they're like, why do you buy movies? Um, I I get that a lot uh, now. So, uh, and of course, you know, uh, most stores I go to don't have physical media anymore. Now, Uh, targets starting to shut theirs down and then um, Best Buy, it's all gone there. Is it? Yep. And uh, it's just more and more. It's just going away. So, You remember that good
2: old grocery store bin where they'd throw a bunch of stuff in scattershot? Like, and it'd be you know two for 10, and you'd, you'd go digging for gold, man.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Good old days. Yeah, I haven't bought any physical media in a little while. Um, just because kids playing sports year-round is expensive. So um, I, I love physical media. I was sort of... Seeing the praises of physical media somewhat recently, to someone I said, "And this is why physical media doesn't die." Because I was looking for a film that shouldn't be hard to find. I can't remember what it was now, and of course, I couldn't find it. And I said, "Well, I'll tell you what. Had I had the disk i it'd be in good shape."
1: Yeah, I think that um, I think that uh, the truth is is it's becoming a collector's market, and uh, once it becomes a collector's market, that you're going to have. Some good deals, and you're going to have some high prices. I mean, it's just the way it is. You know, and of course, there's high prices with everything anyway. Um, Coming out of the pandemic and all that kind of good stuff. So I don't think it's going anywhere, unfortunately. And I think that you'll see less and less. I think you'll see mostly, weirdly, I think you'll see boutique labels, um, which we've always talked about. But usually the boutique labels, what they would release was kind of hard to find stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, what you're finding is the vinegar syndrome stuff like that. Like, vinegar syndrome has got to deal with Paramount, and so they put out you know Paramount films. So, they put out a nice collector's edition of Southern Comfort, and they put out Daryl last year. And, and they're putting out stuff like that, Little Darlings, and things like that. Um, because big studios are not going to release this stuff anymore. Uh, they might release new films like, uh, like you know, your Oppenheimers and your Barbies and whatnot, but small films, it's going to be very rare for them to release stuff. And I think you're going to see the limited runs get even more limited. As a matter of fact, I just watched a film with a limited uh, release uh, through Diabolic DVD, which I'll, I might talk about in what we've been watching this week or maybe next week. But, um, you know, I only had 800 copies, you know, again, is it out there? Sure. It's out there. I mean, everything's out there if you really want to go that route. But the thing that I worry about is, uh, if it, if it destroys the collector's market, it could get really ugly really quick and it could take many years for it to recover. Do you remember when you and I would kind of rail
2: against, um, was it twilight time? Yeah. Twilight time would do the limited uh, edition things. Yeah. They nonsense. were one of the first market. And you know, it's funny. It just feels like so many things are becoming that way. For example, my kids love running shoes and I'm way behind on running shoes. I mean, I, you know, I like what I like. Still wear my flights and my Giannis's and stuff. But it's like you go to get a pair of shoes. It's it's like they sell it so fast. They're on the secondary market going for a triple the cost. It's just disgusting, man. And, you know, that's the problem. I mean, but, yeah, the industry is going to be more, like you said, I think that's the way it's going to go. The big stuff will get releases, the big, big stuff. But you're going to have a lot of stuff that's going to fall through the cracks. because and, and you're relying on it being on streaming services. You and I deal with this where – it's like, how can we watch this? And, you know, mm-hmm. if you don't have a, you know, you got to get a subscription to something for a week or rent it, or, you know, it's, that, that's the way of the world right now.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. And it's also a cultural thing too. I mean, you got to think a lot of kids are coming up now and they see <coughs> Netflix is the place you go to watch movies or they see iTunes or Amazon prime or these services is the place where you go to watch movies. You know, we had the video store and we had the movie theater. But kids now are like, is it on Netflix? And you're like, no. And I like, go, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm not going to be seeing that anytime soon. That, and that's the masses, you know, yeah. like us. Yeah. The, the, oh, the well, movie lovers. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll never change.
2: Right. Impro- like my kids know, they'll run through the paces, all the subscription services, yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. where can we find it, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And large, that's absolutely it. It's, it's a Netflix, Prime, Disney sort of trinity, and
1: you know, that's, Yeah, that's and the pandemic, you know, didn't help that situation because what the no. pandemic did was it made things even more available because the companies were kind of freaking out and they were trying to get the films out so people would subscribe to things so they can make some money back on the investments. But that's right. You know, that also what I think that did was it made people think, well, I'll just I'll just wait till streaming. And the, if you think about it, though, it's true though the streaming window is incredibly shrunk um, mm-hmm. because. You can see like next week Dune 2 comes out, which I'm assuming will make a little bit of coin. And I'd guarantee you within two weeks, it'll be up on iTunes to either rent for 20 bucks or buy for 25 bucks or 30 bucks, whatever it is in Canada. And then, (laughs) yeah, usually $5 more. That's the way I kind of, yeah, a million dollars in Canada, Yeah, (laughs) better healthcare, more expensive movies. That's the trade-off I guess, <laughs> but you know, yeah, I mean, our is, pancake uh, <laughs> dollars don't go as far. <laughs> yeah. Yes, your pay, your, uh, breakfast pastry don't uh, of dollars. Or, Currency or, <laughs> is uh, woefully underserving us, <laughs> but but uh, that's what you'll see now. I noticed that because it, it happens more and more. Like every weekend, films coming out, and especially if the film isn't a big hit that weekend, if the film yeah. it doesn't make a lot of money that weekend, it's on there the next
2: week. I bet you there's definitely a plan A, plan B strategy with a lot of these studios. And case in point, um, I wanted to watch with some friends' Zone of Interest. Uh-huh. And we pointed up the 20 bucks because, you know, we got together, okay? Yeah, yeah. Three, three dudes on Friday night. We said, let's watch some pizza. Let's watch some pizza. Fuck, that would be an exercise. And, yeah, that's a disaster. Fuck. You don't watch pizza. Oh, man. <laughs> you watch it go in your mouth. So I said, let's get some pizza. Let's watch Zone of Interest and... um and Anatomy of a Fall. So Anatomy was like sure, six yeah.
1: L- little, You know, lighthearted fun
2: amongst friends. Lighthearted fun. Heavy <laughs> heavy duty, man. Heavy duty. But the thing of it was, so you we, we look at it as sort of the expense of the night. Okay, so get the pizza. We just put in 10 bucks. The Brentula for Anatomy si- or six. And then we got thrown the curveball at 20 bucks for zone of interest. Yeah. Like, well, guess what? Three ways at seven bucks. It's not bad. You know, we're into like twenty seven dollars each for a night. The guy's got a big TV, surround sound. It, that's the nature of things nowadays, right? At least for the is.
1: comfort. I mean, sitting in a recliner. It is. Know. It is. Sadly, it is. I know Todd used to always talk about that when we do the show and stuff. He because well, you know during the pandemic we, I remember buying uh, the second Trolls movie for like twenty five bucks, and I remember thinking, wow, this is a pretty great deal because I just took my whole family to the movies for twenty five bucks. Had food at the house. So I could pause it and everything else. It's a hundred, yeah. Because taking kids to the, taking your family of four, both of us have families of four. Yeah, taking four people to the movies. I mean, you're looking at a hundred bucks easy. It's pretty much that. I mean, I, I, you know, I again, I, I joke, but this is the true story. I think I spent 160 bucks at Super Mario Brothers.
2: Buddy, listen. You know what I have to do when I go to the movies because I've gotten worked over the coals, So we have two kind of chains that are bigger here. We have Cineplex which is like our Canadian chain and then we have Landmark which might also be Canadian. It used to be an AMC theater. Um, if I just walk into a Cineplex cold and and say give me four four tickets, my kids are all over 12 now so it's four adults. We all get popcorns and a drink, man. We're into 120, 130 bucks. So we have to go to Costco. Yes. And they got this like two can go to the movies for 35 bucks deal where it's like you get two passes two medium drinks two popcorns which we upsized to large popcorns of course
0: Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then it works out to be 70 bucks we say 50 bucks versus what we would have paid because I did that walked in cold to a cineplex on Boxing Day which is the day after Christmas Uh it's a holiday here and when I went to see Avatar the newest Avatar last year the year before with my dad and wife and kids and I was like man we got banged up I had insult to injury you know after watching that film I had to pay heavy for
1: it It's interesting to me. It's interesting. And, you know, I I hate to say this out loud, but I guarantee you this will probably end up being the way. I will not be surprised at some point if movie theaters, to survive, will start checking people's pockets and checking people's purses before they go in.
2: Well, they might. I I don't know if I – yeah, because we end up, you know, with the popcorn and everything, we – yeah, it was 120 bucks. There's times – listen, I've gone in with my own hydro flask for, like – or, like, my own, like, mixer cup with water because I'm not – drink pop or whatever sure i still get popcorn but i see all the time i'm in the theater i hear like the crack of a can or yeah yeah I, I do too. Know, i see someone open something that's not supposed to be there but fuck it, man you know for the prices they're charging man for the price of popcorn it's insane
1: i know that's the thing that's the thing right i mean it's just it's, it's unbelievable and really in some ways uh, you know, we've kind of created our own monster in some ways too. So yeah. it's interesting. It is interesting. And then, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what the future of the movies holds. I really don't. I don't know. The, well, the future of exhibition, I should say. Yes. And, I,
2: and has, honestly. It's changed. yeah, and I, Exhibition and accessibility, because yeah. those two things more over the exhibition or the accessibility portion has changed
1: significantly yeah. when you're not doing the show. Yeah. And my biggest concern And honestly, one of the reasons why we even do this podcast, I think you'd agree, is film history and what physical media does to film history. What what we really need physical media for is celebrating film history. And it's great. Don't get me wrong. The streaming services are awesome. Sometimes they got a lot of stuff on there. Amazon Prime has a lot of Italian stuff, if you're into that. And there's there's a lot of great stuff out there. But what physical media did was it kind of kept that stuff in the conversation. And uh, I hope it never goes away in that regard because, you know, we don't need 45 different releases of, uh, I don't know, uh, the Halloween. I mean, I love Halloween. I love that film, but I don't need another release of Halloween, <laughs> you know, No, so, or Evil, Evil Dead 2 or something like that. You know, I know that stuff sells, but, you know, what about uh, this, you know, random? What about Tarkovsky's nostalgia or something, which on it, oddly is getting a. 4k release i can't believe that 15 bucks by the way whoa yeah take my money <laughs> yeah it's take pancake cra- currency yeah that's crazy sometimes you know you, you but then again you know you got some companies out there that and kino lorber is the ones putting that out they're they're great about that like they're trying to preserve film history vinegar syndrome is doing the same thing in a way diabolic arrow one of our our uh sponsors they're all doing the same thing they're trying to preserve these things And honestly, I think that's the future of film preservation is these companies because without them, these films could disappear. And uh, people say, well, no, they'll never disappear. There'll always be this, this. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Things can, you know, they can disappear. Yeah. Believe it or not. Anyway, long answer. Walt's uh, voicemail really got us cooking there. Let's get back to the basics here. William Devane or... What was the other name? What was the other one? Robert's dear, buddy. Eric Roberts, seven hundred eighteen credits, eighty one credits. I think. Yeah,
2: he goes long and strong, man. <clears throat>
1: yeah, uh, where do you stand on these two guys?
2: I think that there's probably six hundred and fifty <laughs> credits we can just shear from Robert's uh, list. Uh, I like
1: you're them. being kind. <laughs> yeah, you're being kind with the six fifty, Evan. Kind to <It'd> be seven
2: hundred. <laughs> I like Devane quite a bit. I, I was, he, was, oh, he was in something the other day. I said, oh, hey, he's a great actor. You know, sometimes an actual pop-up and something my kids are watching. Go, oh, you know, I'm, I go, William Devane? Yeah, he's a great actor. He's a great actor. Um, i got to go Roberts, though. I think he's a little more diverse. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I love both. There's a Roberts jam I've been dying to drop on the show for some time. It's been on my list. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go Roberts. I do love both, though.
1: Nice. Nice. Yeah. 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 I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. I think I'm going to go Roberts as well. And it's mostly just because I like William Devane. I really do. I mean, we, you know, started our show with a Devane film and so so number one, man. Yeah. Yeah. Started a show with that. And so he always has a very special place in our hearts for that reason. Um, But also I think to myself, I would rather see more of the Eric Roberts films. Not not the, uh, not you know, the, yeah. yeah. I mean, his batting average is way low. <laughs> Dude, he's way below the Mendoza line. <laughs> way below the Mendoza batting, line.
2: He'd be lucky to be batting 100. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, there's, there's some seriously questionable material there. But again, I don't judge because, I mean, he's working. And, you know, he's made a career out of working. And bravo to him. You know, you got to work. I mean, I don't know what his financial situation is i hope he's doing really well i well, hope it's just that
2: he wants to work and he's doing it you know mm-hmm. i hope uh, so too <laughs> because he wants to work and you know
1: i don't know though but either way um i, I, I i'm gonna go roberts and one of the reasons being too that i really loved the um i really loved uh when we did star 80 Oh man! And how much I love that uh, performance in Star Eighty. I mean, it's an amazing performance, right? Oh God, is it ever so? I,
2: and I don't know. As good as Devane is, I don't know that he's quite got that same range as Roberts. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. I, I, I'm, sitting there, I'm I'm running some Devane stuff through my head. There's been moments. There's one thing about Devane that's always kind of bothered me. He always seems like. He, he he's really good at playing an asshole in films mm-hmm. and he seems like he might be that way in real life a little bit. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. But then again, now that I say that out loud, it seems like Roberts could maybe be that way sometimes in real life, but at least I, back in his younger years, I also hope not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know about now. He seems like he's much more laid back now, Roberts, but yeah, um, you know, he, he was a bit of a, you know, he was a hot thing for a little while and seemed like he might've been a little fool of himself. So,
2: there's a minute, and God bless Mickey Rourke, who, when he was getting his flowers with, like, the rourke Renaissance, with the wrestler <laughs> and everything, um, he was always saying, my my dear friend Eric Roberts, um, don't forget about him, he should still be working, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um... You know. and he, well, he is working. <laughs> just not... <laughs> not as much as uh As a... Uh, you know, or just not the kind of material that Mickey Rourke was working in there from his kind of renaissance, and then now, oddly, Mickey Rourke is making those kinds of movies as well. So, well,
2: and <laughs> Port Mick, God bless him.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I know. One of my favorites, but
1: there's a lot of issues there.
2: Yes, a lot of stuff going on. It's, uh but I'll tell you, our friends, we have some some friends that they they might have seen all 781 of those credits. Oh yeah, podcast. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Can- so Canadian podcast, yeah.
2: Yeah, good old Doug, Doug, Dougie T.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't know if we can say his last name or not, but yeah. And I think Eric's been on the show actually. Oh yeah, yeah. He comes on the show every now and then. So yeah. pretty, pretty, yeah. pretty fun podcast. I mean, there, there, there. You go as a podcast that you could probably yeah. run for ten years on, fifteen years now on.
2: Now <laughs> again, your enjoyment with your reviews, but you will never run out of
1: content. You probably will not run out of content though.
2: But. You know, like they, when you're going to put out films like Stalked by My Doctor 3, Patient's Revenge, <laughs> there's films to be discussed. It's
1: funny we're bringing this up because I know the Milano uh, 9 or Caliber 9 from Outer Space guys, Uh they're actually doing three, Eric Rob. They're doing the first three of those films, oh, wow. uh, Stalked by My Doctor films as part of a trilogy show that they're doing coming up. So give them a little shout out there.
2: You know who else is a big fan of Eric Roberts
1: is Scott Clickers, man. I'm married with Clickers fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I mean, What's not to love? Yeah, what's not to love? I mean, he's got some great performances. He's got some great over-the-top performances um, and some great subtle performances. I mean, he really runs the gamut. Like, I can think of some movies in that he's in where he's absolutely in, incredibly either awful or so far over-the-top that you don't even know what he's doing. And then I can think of others where he's so damn good that you wonder how he you know isn't considered a prestige actor so yeah uh okay let's get into what we've been watching uh we've already been talking for half an hour here and we're just we're just getting going this morning so good lord yeah we love to we love to chat baby
2: yes yes you got? You got anything
1: i'm sure you got a few things
2: got a few things got a few things um Losing ground, I talked about. So I watched Soft Places. You can hear that in a bonus episode of the GGTMC. Yeah. I'm joined by Mrs. Large William, the mighty Davy Alcock, and what he lovingly referred to as his better half, Kim. Yeah, baby. I Soft Places. You can hear my thoughts on that. Uh, last time we recorded, I, I jumped out of the, the GGTMC our studio, got in the kitchen, threw on a, a film called Eternal Fist. <laughs> yes. So this one was a lot of fun. I'd love to do this on the show with you. It was Cynthia Khan's only English speaking film. I don't know if it was Teddy Page directed it. Anyway, it's it's like a post-apocalyptic kickboxing film. There's mesh shirts, there's fingerless gloves, there's just lots lots of sh- like shout acting. Nice. Um the villain like the actors in it really go for it. Yeah, sounds it's, tailor-made for us, right? It's tailor-made for us. It's very fun. Very, very fun. Next up was one the wife picked, um, The Beekeeper. Oh, yeah, the uh, David Ayer film. Yeah. Jason so Statham, gotta, yeah, yeah. I got to say, it's weird. My kids really have no time for Statham. They just think he sucks.
1: Well, you know, I mean, again, every everybody has taste, right?
2: Yeah, they just can't get into the Statham. But I, I love Statham. I mean, they like him in a few things. I like him in Snatch and a couple of things, but by and large, I can't say this is a Jason Statham jam. Like, if I said, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal's in it or Brad Pitt or you know, a couple of you know, Christian Bale or something, they'd be they'd be sold just on that alone. But I can't sell them on the Stath just on his name. So this film, um, it's fun. It's really fun. It's really violent. The action choreography is excellent. I. Didn't I wouldn't have seen it, you know. I just it felt like, and I don't want to turn this into a political thing. I don't. So I'm, I'm but it feels like a lot of the action films nowadays. It feels like there's a lot of this like working class, country, you know, country folk hmm. kicking ass that appeals to a certain demographic. Yeah, that the things are being they're being put upon. But I and I thought this was the any of that, and I didn't really give it a fair shake. But I watched it. Super fun, super gory, good choreography. You can do a lot worse. Um, next one is one I'd love to talk about with you sometime at length. It's the Northman. Have you gotten around to this one yet?
1: Yeah, yeah. Actually, we did it on the show. I can't remember who we did it with, but uh, we did it on the show, actually. Was it Jose or someone? Uh, it was somebody. I'd have to go back and listen. <laughs> really? Fuck, man. Yeah, I think, we pretty much, I think we did it. I'm pretty sure. I'll,
2: I'll right. look. What's well, your thoughts this week when I drive? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I quite liked it. I think it might be Eggers' weakest film, though. Yeah, yeah. I think it suffers a bit from being too single-minded. I know that's the purpose, but for me, I really like the stuff with Anya Taylor-Joy and him. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, everyone's very good. I wish I'd have more Willem Dafoe. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's fucking just wild. He's a wild man. God bless Willem Dafoe, man. Seriously. Yeah, I know. He just does. What a gift. Yeah, he does everything and he does it well. And he doesn't. And there's no vanity whatsoever. There's no van. I love him. He, there's no vanity, man. He just.
2: Look, when he finishes, I mean, he's going to have a resume, man. Yeah, he is. He is. Really good. It's nice to see Kidman doing some real acting again. Like, she's really turning it up in this one. She's over the top. But yeah, yeah. Uh, she's having fun. And I've always. Felt bad for her because you know. Listen, truth be told, she's gotten some bad surgery, and it's unfortunate because it's distracting. But I think, I hope she doesn't get lost in the shuffle of time because I genuinely think she's one of the best actresses of uh, of her generation. I genuinely do.
1: Yeah, it was me and Troy and Brad, the Not a bomb that did it. Yeah. Well, cool. I gotta listen to that. Yeah, check that out. Everybody, yeah. everybody, check it out.
2: Last one I'll mention is Pulp Fiction. I just it was one of those weird. It happened to be on TV. Oh, yeah. I have those every now and then. That doesn't happen as often as it used to, obviously. Um, But where did it pick up? It was right near the beginning. You know, about maybe 30, 40 minutes in. And, of course, I just sat and watched it. I hadn't seen it in probably three years. Um, I mean, what can I say? I've talked about this film ad nauseum. You know, a couple of things don't age well in that. But, by and large, I still... uh, Still found my oh it was the the Jackrabbit Slim scene right that's that's where we, it started for us this time so yeah but no it's uh, it's good stuff and fun fact I said to my kids and they kind of like they kind of laughed I, when I saw that film I wanted to date a girl with Mia Wallace hair never happened but never always happened. wanted to yeah nice so there you go. that was my week
1: that's pretty good I I'm I'm due for a rewatch on uh, Pulp Fiction I haven't uh, I haven't watched that in a long time.
2: Some of it holds up really well. Obviously, the scene with Tarantino, like it's it's really it's really problematic, man. And I bet you, like his last film, you're not, you're not going to see the the N word drop too much. It just it's so liberally used, and it just feels so like forget. Yeah, it just it just man, it Felt just feels very yeah. I
1: don't know. <clears throat> yeah, and of course, I guess that's the times too, right? I mean, things have changed no, quite for a bit, sure. Yeah, but it just. You know, weird, but yeah. By and large,
2: it still is uh good film. Of course, it's self indulgent, and at this point, you know, Tarantino stuff really well. And you know, it, but hey, it's it's still a still an enjoyable watch. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, okay, I watched a few things. I watched um, a couple documentaries. uh I watched uh, one on Netflix called "Lover Stalker Killer." This one's pretty good. This one's uh, about a guy that's a uh, You know, is on the dating apps, you know, and he uh, he comes across somebody and stuff and things get a little out of control for him. And, uh, you know, so, you know, for anybody that's out there doing that thing, it's a little bit of a horror story, but it's interesting. It has some uh, some twists and turns and and uh, some different takes on things. It's it's pretty messed up, but I like the way it was made. Um, I know Netflix puts out a ton of these things and a lot of people watch these films, but. And there's a lot of true crime fans and stuff out there. As a matter of fact, some people would say they you know, it's kind of ran its course, you know, because there's just so much of this material out there right now. I get that. But if the story's good, I think that, you know, and the filmmaking's good, I think it can still work. Um, so it's pretty good. I watched another one on HBO, but it's not really a true crime, it's more of a kind of a character study um, that just involves somebody that passed away that nobody kind of understood or knew. It's called They Called Him Mostly Harmless. It's about this kind of camper. There's these people in uh, the States, probably people like this in Canada too, who just kind of live off the grid, just kind of camp. And, you know, they just decided they're going to go off the grid. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Kind of just go up and down the trails and just live this, you know, old school life. And there's this guy that they find one time, one day and uh, dead in his tent and people remember him. And there's all these things. And I'm not going to give it away what happens or transpires, but there's a story behind it and everything else. And it's pretty, it's pretty enlightening, pretty interesting. Um, and it kind of gives you a look at, you know, people's perceptions of what they think they know and what they don't know, uh, yeah. which, I, you know, obviously I find fascinating. So it, it's pretty good. It's almost like a mystery a little bit. It's a pretty good one. What's this one called again? They called him Mostly Harmless. That's what it's called.
2: Uh, I'm going to add this to my watch list.
1: Yeah, that one's kind of interesting. I think you'll like that one. Probably more than Lover, Stalker, Killer. I don't know if that, that's your thing. It my
2: wife's be. more into the true crime. Man, she'll be doing her makeup and watching. And there's this woman. Oh, yeah. Women up. Women love this stuff, man. And, you know, no no offense to all the lady listeners out there. I don't there, but. to pay with some <laughs> insensitive gender brush, but <laughs> they man, love, my <laughs> wife loves this. I'm like, how can you watch this? like, you won't watch Exorcist with me. I know. I know. <laughs> and, you know, she's a good sport, but. It's like and she's listening to this stuff, and I'm like Jesus, like this would just bruise my soul for a week. And you're putting on your makeup, listening to it. I can't remember the woman's name. She's got this. She's pretty Bailey something. Yeah, she's pretty successful. She does her makeup and tells these
1: <laughs> awful tales, man. Yeah. yeah, I know, I know. I, I don't understand it either, um, but you know, it's just one of those things. And of course, I've always kind of been fascinated by the dark side of uh, humanity myself. So this stuff kind of you know speaks to me in that way. But I am amazed at how many women I meet that uh, love this stuff and, uh, and yet can't watch, again, they can't watch uh, The Exorcist or they can't watch even Gremlins. But they can watch you know, some of the other stuff. I mean, you know, teach it, their own, right? Um, and then I watched one. I, I felt like I watched this before, but I don't think I did. I think I watched another documentary about this. But as we know, on this podcast, I am kind of fascinated by the Juggalo community. yeah. And uh, so I watched one called The United States of Insanity. And uh, this one's about the Insane Clown Posse and how they were deemed a gang by the United States government, by the FBI, and uh, what that did to them and everything else. And really what this is about is, you know, the thing that I'm really big on, which is free speech. Um, you know, I'm one of those people who believes everybody has a right to say whatever they want, even if, and I know this is going to make some people upset, but even if it is hate speech, I believe America is a country where you have the right to say those things. It doesn't matter if I like it or not, the, the matter is that you're allowed to say it. And uh, so, you know, I don't listen to the insane clown posse. I got to be honest, and it's not my thing, but they have every right, every right to do what they do. And, uh, I find it very bothersome that any group of people wants to control another group of people that bothers me to no end. So you'll see me that I never really comment on stuff like there's a lot of things I don't agree with. Trust me, but it doesn't mean that I don't think you're allowed to say it. You should be allowed to say whatever the hell you want to say. Mm -hmm. And, um, I know that sometimes gets me in hot water and stuff, but, uh, you know, I'm just a firm believer in that. And, and I'm a more of a firm believer on the front end of it, which is educate your family educate your kids educate yourself on what's right and don't go telling everybody else what's right yeah that's the problem i have i mean if you if these people want to say this if they want to rap about murder and and killing people and sticking things up people's asses and everything else have at it
2: a hot song man
1: <laughs> yeah and i'm pretty sure it's one of their songs have at it i say uh you know um and don't get me wrong i've listened to stuff like that in my past and still do sometimes but I never was an insane St. guy. I was never one of those guys, but, but I am fascinated by the fact that these guys have created this culture, but not only this culture, this almost family environment, this very Vin Diesel esque family environment. And it's easy to make fun of them easy. But the problem I have is making fun of them. You're kind of making fun of yourself because these people have found each other and that's important and it gets them through. And it doesn't matter that on the surface, they look like one type of thing. It just cracks me up when people in, in their high horses complain about something. And then they'll turn around and say, well, these per- people are racist. They shouldn't say that. I'm like, well, guess what? You're making fun of juggalos. You're the same fucking person as the people you're saying. Don't listen to mm-hmm. you. Don't get to make. You don't get to pick and choose. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I appreciate what they've created. It's not a world I want to live in, but it's a world that I think they should have every right to live in. So, uh, yeah. as long as nobody's getting hurt, that's what I believe. I mean, as long as nobody's getting hurt, you know, you can say whatever you want and everything else. Now, when I say hate speak, I'm saying that, you know, you can say these things and everything else, but if you're actually asking people to go out there and do things, that's a different problem. There is, there is a line. <laughs> yes. And we just yes. got to know, we got to know as people when to do it, but you still have the right to say it. And that's the key thing. Um, so I, I, I really appreciate that this documentary is actually really good. It's really good. It kind of shows guys that are raising their families because they love the insane clown posse. Cause you know, the insane clown posse has been around for 20 something years now. I know that's insane to say out loud, but wow. no it, the, pun intended. yeah, but they've been around forever. So, um, it's interesting to me that, you know, this music has survived. This culture has survived. And I, I you know, I, I, I gotta say, I appreciate them for that. Um, And their belief system. And honestly, the two guys that are in the group are actually pretty normal guys. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is always the case, right? (laughs) Of course. It's like guar, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, most of these guys are totally normal guys. They just found a niche or they found an art form or whatever. And look, man, you know, as somebody who tried to pursue a lifestyle in music, you got to get attention to survive. And if you're lucky, you can get by on talent. If you're lucky, you maybe you're super attractive and you can get by that way. Um, but a lot, a lot, a lot of folks—ninety-eight percent of them—are uh, struggling. And you do what you got to do to get to get where you need to go. And they found something, and it worked. And again, you know, the the, you know, the music is—it's teeth grinding for me. I got to be honest with you. I was listening to it while watching that. They played a little bit of it in the background. It's not my thing, but my thing either. <laughs> but you know. Again, you know they—they they, where their heads are at. It's pretty impressive, considering. You know who it reminds me of? It reminds me of Larry Flint. Yeah, that's who it reminds me of. Larry Flint. Flint, you know, being what he is, he's you know he he became honestly one of the most important figures in American history uh, for fighting for the right to do what he wants to do. Doesn't mean I have to like it, but that is what we founded this country on. So, I find it kind of amazing that we. We're one of the weirdest countries in the world. We 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 want that right, and yet we fight against it if it doesn't agree with our our values. It's so fucked up. There's something kind of totally fucked up about that. I don't I don't, know. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. It's very elitist, though. I don't like it at all. So anyway, um, yeah, that's on that's on Amazon Prime. That one is so check that one out. It's pretty good.
2: It's I, I I I would be genuinely interested because I think it is a bit of an interesting. Community.
1: Yeah. It's a subculture. Yeah.
2: It's very much outside of anything I would dip my toes in, but that's part of the fascination, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But you, the thing about it is, is you can, if you're part of any subculture in your real life, um, i.e., yeah. for me, podcasting. Yeah. We
2: all are part of several subcultures. Uh,
1: yeah. The sports, podcasting, uh, soccer moms, uh, dance moms. Players, yeah. gym bros. I'm a dance. I'm a dance dad. You know, I mean, uh, my yeah. daughter does dance and everything else. I thought so, you, you did. No, no, no. I, I hung up my I hung up my ballet shoes a long time ago, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, the uh, you know, I mean, there's these subcultures. And all of these subcultures, honestly, all have their own kind of uh, paradigm their own kind of universe and it's, it's very bizarre and what you realize is from watching this and everything else is it's a very human trait it's a very human trait to tribalize yep. to to get together yep. and feel like because you agree with this and this person agrees with this you have unity and strength and you have a belief when reality you ain't got fucking shit you're just the same as every other motherfucker that has to get up every day and go to fucking work mm-hmm. and if not keep your fucking mouth shut that's what i say you don't yeah. have any fucking right to say anything. There you go. It's yeah. Sammy, Sammy on a sandbox. There we go. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're part of a group of people who believe in God. Good, good, good fucking luck. I'm, I'm happy you do. But these fucking people believe in, you know, wearing clown makeup and throwing Fago all over each other. They have every fucking right to believe that. And, yep. uh, that, that's, that's the way I feel about it. So, uh, anyway, um, that's all I got. And then, uh, you know, I got to calm down. Blood pressure's getting, it's boiling a little bit, baby. Boiling. Get a little hot. Get, it, get a little hot over here. Don't, don't get me on that, uh, the, those First Amendment rights, baby. Is it the First Amendment <laughs> or is it the Second Amendment? Fuck, I don't even know anymore. Uh, not Second. That's the. <laughs> that's the bare arms one?
2: That's the fucking guns one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, honestly, you'd be surprised my stance on that, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But we won't go down that road. <laughs> We won't go down that road, baby. That road is that road is dirty, yeah, dirty is. dog, egg sucking dog. We're bringing back the uh, the Sylvan Go podcast on our own here, one soundbite at a time. One soundbite at a time. Yeah. Um, you got a uh, you weren't you got the Apple Watch right? Didn't we talk about this a couple weeks ago? I do, man. I
2: do have an Apple Watch. It's pretty good. The ironic <laughs> thing is, I don't use it much for watch as much as I do for gym stuff. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Answer calls, but when I look at it, you know, I can see there are three numbers on there, and those three numbers tell
1: us what time it is. <laughs> what time is it exactly? Well, you know, yeah. Time for this, or that there we go. And actually, I clicked it this time. There it goes. <laughs> All right, baby. There we go. A little French. A little French love. All right. So what do we got? We got we got uh, guest um, feedback uh, this or that this week. We got a couple. Got some coming from Rob over at the Calibre 9 podcast. Is it Calibre 9 from outer space? That is it. Yeah. Why do I always want to say Milano 9 from outer space? I guess because of the film, right? yes rob i apologize but you know being a big fan of milano calbert nine i always want to say milano nine instead of calbert nine i don't know what that is with me but some kind of fucking weird mental click that uh i can't seem to get past or whatever um and we got some from our good friend metal george aka so, dirty george dirty george <laughs> so what do we want to go with first here? We, uh, uh, you
2: start, sir. You were you were first in the box, so
1: all right. Uh, let's think of. Um, let's see. Rob's got sword and sorcery or post-apocalyptic. He's thinking of the Italian ripoffs and the originals that inspired them, He suppose. Uh the whole genres. I think I know where you're going to go with this one.
2: I think you know where I'm going to go. This is an easy, easy one for me, man. Post-apocalyptic all oh, day. Give me short. Give me shoulder pads. Jock straps, <laughs> leather studs, and golf carts be dazzled and decorated. Yeah.
1: yeah, there's a difference. I think the difference between these two genres is post-apocalyptic jock strap, sword and sorcery cod piece.
2: That's that's where I roll, man.
1: Yeah. Um right. well here's the thing though. I mean, I'm I'm with you on this. I love sword and sorcery films, probably more than you do, but the post apocalyptic genres and it it's just it's just a lot of fun. And I, I do think there's some very classic films in there. Uh, sword and Sorcery, there are some good films in there. We talked about one recently with Conan the Barbarian, but I think that that can be a, a genre of diminishing returns off and on. Whereas post-apocalyptic, for the most part, is pretty steady, even when they're pretty uh, average. They're pretty steady, you know?
2: this The floor, for me at least, is a lot higher than the Swords and Sorcery sword, uh, yeah. floor.
1: The ceiling, there we go. Depending on if you're on the ceiling. You know you I do know are dancing on the ceiling most weekends. Like how did Lana, you know this. Like Lionel Richie. So you would technically be looking at the floor, yes. Most most of the average folks, for those who don't know, would dance on the floor, but not Will. He dances on the ceiling, baby. Well, that's how that's how I do, man. <laughs> it's, oh, what a feeling to be dancing <laughs> on the ceiling, baby. That's a big tune. That's a big tune. <laughs> that's a big tune. I remember that song, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we, we, we got from you. Want to just keep going with uh, Rob's, or you want to go uh, switch back and forth, or what do we want to do?
2: Let's uh, let's go back and forth here. Okay. Uh, I just All got right. to find uh, Metal George in about two seconds. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, he's going to keep it kind of in the swords and sandal jam. He says, "Yo, yo, yo! Some long overdue this or that's for the show. Gore or the barbarians?
1: Oh we never covered Gore, have we?"
2: That of Jack Palance ridiculous headpiece fame.
1: Yeah. Is it Jack Palance or is it Oliver Reed? Oh, maybe it's Reed or is it Reed and Palance? Let me just <laughs> Reed and Palance, we need to get on it. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Talk about two guys that probably would hate each other. Oh, fuck. Would they ever? No. Well, I feel like it's Reed.
2: But it's Palance and Reed together at last. Oh, man, we need to get on that. I feel like Palance wears the most ridiculous thing on his head in that, if I remember correctly. Let me just... I remember
1: there's a lot of ridiculous things in that. But you know what? I haven't seen that in oh. forever. Yeah, And that thing, that, that sits high on his head, man. <laughs> oh, my God. And you know who else is in it? Who else?
2: <laughs> oh, it's not who I thought it was, man. I thought it was, um, so it's Urbano Barberini, who I thought was, um, oh, man, who do we say? Ooh, uh, who's, uh, who's the Beastmaster again? Uh, Mark Singer? Singer. I thought it was Singer, man. (laughs) Actually, listen. Reed and Palance both wear ridiculous shit on their head in that film.
1: Yeah, I remember. That's what I remember a lot. I remember that the costuming was pretty wacky. Yeah. Arnold Vosloo's in it. Wow. It would have been a young Vosloo, huh? Yeah, it would have been. I can't remember the lady in it. She's quite pretty. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Striking. I can't remember what her name was. but I'm looking at it. Rebecca Ferrati. Yeah, there you go. I don't know, maybe we'll check that out at some point. Wow, there are some ridiculous headpieces. That one Oliver Reed's wearing is Is that is that a motorcycle or something on his head? I don't know what that is. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh yeah, I'm uh I'm going to go with What was the other film again? <laughs> the Barbarians. Barbarians, yeah, yeah. Mostly because we've talked about it recently and I've seen it. Uh, well, not recently, a long, long time ago, but that is the one I've seen the most recently. So um, I'm going to go with that one. Plus, I honestly, you know, the reason why we picked it to cover it is honestly, I think it's kind of underrated.
2: It's a fun, rompy film. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I also take The Barbarians.
1: Yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's goofy. It's kind of making fun of sword and sorcery films, but, you know, it's Umberto Lindsay. It's, you know, they got Arm wrestling and George Eastman in there. Yeah. You know, it's just getting Richard Lynch. Don't forget Richard Lynch is in that one. Another uh, great
2: that's an ace up your sleeve.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to go with that one. So, all right, uh, here's a tough one from Rob. Um, one that you could argue might be unfair in some ways: uh, John Milius or Walter Hill. This is easy for me. Oh, okay, good, good. Uh it's it's Hill. Okay, I
2: love Walter. He's one of like, probably a, he's definitely a top ten filmmaker for me. Definitely. Well, probably. I mean,
1: I'd I bet he may, I bet he's closer to top ten than you think. He's made, well, he's made one of my like top 10 favorite
2: films all time. Sure. On the show. Uh, I've, I love, love at least a handful of his films. I can't say the same. Well, (laughs) Milius is great. Don't get me wrong. But for me, Hill, I really love Hill. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, it is a little bit of a tougher choice for me, but I am going to go Walter Hill as well. I would say easily Walter Hill for me is in my top 10 filmmakers of all time. Um, maybe he could be creeping into the top five territory at this point, because as I've gotten older, I still, I've come to appreciate his films more and more and more. I think it's just because they're so, um, they're so lean, they're so lean in what they're trying to do. And, uh, I've come to really appreciate that. Uh, but he's definitely in the top 10 conversation for me. And honestly, probably one of the most underrated of the seventies filmmakers that nobody really, you know, because he wasn't one of the movie brats nobody really talks about him that way but he made some great stuff in the 70s and and then he survived into the 80s uh not only that he kind of thrived in the 80s for a while right so well
2: oh, listen the buddy the buddy cop film not to say he, he obviously didn't invent it but he kind of really reignited that
1: yeah right? oh yeah
2: like, he, re- he rejuvenated
1: kinda, it no doubt
0: yeah
1: definitely did and you know he did a rock and roll musical with Streets of Fire which you know, it was a hell of a risk. It was a big bomb for him, but I mean that film will live on forever. Time has been kind to that film in cult circles, though. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That thing'll live forever, man. Mm-hmm. Uh okay. What, what is
2: uh Ooh, so he's gonna go with the character actor one here, Werner Palkath or Al Cliver? Ooh. Ooh. Um
1: Hmm. <laughs> uh Man, I, I don't know because both of these guys have some nice highs and both of these guys have some really low lows. You. <laughs> so I'm trying to think which one has the lower lows and which one has the higher highs and trying to go with that for me. And I don't it, know that I know.
2: It feels like the one with the higher highs also has the lower lows. <laughs> <laughs> so.
1: And that's that's kind of the way I'm feeling uh, You know, that's why I think it's making it so complicated Ah, uh, oh, screw it, I'm just going to dive in I'm going to go Al Cliver on this one
2: So, I'm with you on that But I think he has sort of He's a little more even-keeled throughout But, like, Werner, you look at his filmography He's got some cool, he's the cat of nine tails Venus and furs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I go on tongue of fire, which is a fun giallo that takes place in Ireland of all places. Um, and then he's got um, you know, shark hunter, terror express does some Bud Spencer stuff, but then he gets into some. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that one's actually, you know what? Deceptively. Man. Dude. Yeah, I know. I know. I, okay. So this is going to be kind of a non, I like, I'm more excited to see Cliver in a film, but I feel like really looking at their filmographies now, uh, uh-huh might have the better filmography.
1: It might have, yes,
2: yes. But I just prefer Cliver, man. He looks good on film. He's got the great facial hair. Yeah, yeah. That I
1: think that's really what it comes down to for me.
2: It does, right? He's got the great mustache, and I think that's you know that gets us weak in the knees. So, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'm I'll, I'm I'm happy to stick with my Cliver love. And 2020 Texas Gladiators, babe. Yeah, there Come you go. Up. There you go. He's Glad- got that ace in the hole. Yeah, there we go. That's a really underrated. Speaking of post-apocalyptic that i think is one of the few uh italian or any countries post-apocalyptic films that lives up to the poster that's a really underappreciated jam like everyone yeah. talks about the Castari jams they're great but 2020 texas gladiators is really
1: fun yeah i don't know if we've ever done that one i don't think we've covered that one. No, oh, and it's uh
2: joe damato and george eastman
1: yeah i don't know if we have we may... sometimes those things run together you know what i mean Oh, a lot of times, yeah. <laughs> Especially those '80s ones. The '80s one, yeah. Football costumes and plastic uh, shields and all that kind of stuff. All right, I'm going to do one more from Rob, and that way we can get past the intro and actually get to our review, and I'll save the rest for next week. But uh, this one is—I think this one might be a little tougher, but I don't know. This—this could—you could surprise me on this one too. But Zatoichi or Lone Wolf and Cub? This is also easy for me. Okay.
2: Lone Wolf and Cub it's my favorite series of films in terms of just thinking there's like, I just, I love those films, man. I Mm -hmm, just, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think they're super cool. I think they're just, look, I just, I love them. I love Zatoichi, but, um, lone wolf and cub all the way for me.
1: It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I normally, I, I love lone wolf and cub. I really do. And that would have been the thing I would have jumped on immediately, but I gotta be honest with you. I've been watching Zatoichi films, uh, off and on over the last couple of years. And I've really kind of come to love them again uh, after getting away from them for a while. So just to be the uh, the voice of dissent here, I'm going to go Zatuichi.
2: But you know what I suck? Because I bought that box set at a 50% off sale. I haven't watched one film in the set yet. And that was like five years ago. I suck, man. Like, I got so many films I've bought and just never even opened. Ah, uh,
1: You're not the only one, man. <laughs> you're not the only one. Yeah. I have That's, the I have the Lone Wolf and Cub set. And I've never watched one of them. Now I've I seen get, all those films. Yeah, but I've never watched one of them. I've never watched the Blu-rays at all. No, I just I still have my
2: Tokyo Pop,
1: like Animego, nice, um, nice Lone Wolf and Cub set. Nice, nice. Yeah, Criterion put out that, that set too, right? So yeah. Uh, nice. All right, all right. You got one more from George. We'll do one more from George, and then we'll get into the review here. Yeah, we will. We'll get a surfboards out an interesting one tom
2: and jerry or looney tunes
1: uh this is interesting to me because i actually was having this conversation with some folks um as it comes up every now and then about you know what kids watch and stuff like that and people know i watch a lot of stuff and they're always like you know what do you think of this Do kids should kids have been watching this Should kids have been watching that and of course you know you can go down many wormholes here and say you know i watched all that stuff and i'm okay Um, but you know, to each their own, that's what I always say to each parent their own. I mean, you, you raise your kids, how you see fit. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you how to raise your children. That's your job. Um, but I have to say, I was thinking about this the other day and I think that I love Tom and Jerry, but I gotta say pound for pound, the Looney tunes is like amazing filmmaking. If you go back and look at it and I really, I love those cartoons and, uh, yeah, they are out of date to what we want kids to see now. And you can put a whole bunch of stuff on them. But I think that's what makes them amazing is they weren't really – I don't think they were really made for kids. <laughs> I think they were made for adults. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. that that's what works for them for me. So I'm going to stick with that. Um, I'm going to agree with you. I love
2: both. It's funny to go back and watch – Um. To watch them and be like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. It's, it's it's nuts to see. It's they're so violent. But I mean, listen, we're fine. Like this comes back to the thing of parenting as parenting.
1: Television yeah, yeah, is yeah. parenting. Well, it's not um, only the violence of them too, but I mean, think about there's cross dressing, there's violence, there's <laughs> there's there's a lot of gunplay. Listen, <laughs> let's be very
2: honest here too. There's even at times some unfortunate uh, racial representation. Uh, yes. Yes, there is and kind of ugly caricatures of, of cultures, but uh, all that stuff aside, obviously, and I'm not trying to just sweep it under the rug. I'm just trying to keep this to the spirit of the, you know, uh, the the animation, like the the product. Right. I'm going to take Looney Tunes as well. Um, I love Tom and Jerry. <clears throat> Super fun to watch. Right. But I love Looney Tunes. I feel like, and this is where I, you know, one of the first examples of me watching something was Tom and Jerry, just to give it its credit, watching something and going, you know, this is really genius because I don't need any dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Engaged yeah. Half an hour, 45 minutes. Just, it's very visual. But I, I have to say, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan of Foghorn Leghorn. Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I don't, I, Sadly, I grew up with a lot of people exactly like Foghorn Leghorn. (laughs) (laughs) As you can imagine, being in the South, they're they're not much different than that cartoon character, believe it or not. Listen, boy, you bother me. Yeah, he's great. great. Um, Okay, we'll get to Rob, George, we'll get back to you guys next week. And Rob's got a little bit of feedback, too. I'll get into that next week as well. All right, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back and talk about Point Break. Uh, we'll be back right after this.
0: Who said you can do what you do?
3: what I wanted to.
1: Yeah, man, a little funky crime. Funky <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the early Chili Peppers when they were much more funk based than they are now.
2: Yeah, yeah, they've evolved. They've. Well, I wouldn't say evolved, but they've, they've certainly changed.
1: They've changed. Yeah, they've changed. Um, you know, for you know, better or worse, depending on who you are. You know, I'm not gonna. I I kind of prefer the old Chili Peppers, but that's me. No. Um, okay. Let's see here. Point Break, 1991. Let's get that correct now. <laughs> Directed by one Catherine Bigelow, an FBI agent goes undercover to catch a gang of surfers who may be bank robbers. Um, this one stars one Patrick Swayze, one Keanu Reeves, Bodie and Johnny Utah, respectively. Great names. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the more underrated performances in the film, on the whole, uh not surprising. Gary Busey is Papas, Our guy, man, returning. Yeah. Hawaiian shirts and all in this. And hey. uh fucking uh stealing every scene he's in for the record. Every scene. <laughs> and I think this might have been right before the motorcycle accident. Yeah. And uh so he's still quite sharp here. And uh really, I mean, really just again another example of how he can um uh, steal scenes and just how great of an actor he was. I mean, you know, again, we, yeah. we talk about it. Uh, he, you know, it's just a shame that he's become a joke because, I mean, the guy was just a natural man.
2: I would have loved to have seen him and Wings Hauser or him and Thomas Millian
1: yeah. <laughs> in a f- together. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lori Petty, kind of a girl of the 90s. Yeah, very uh, much. Uh, Jamie LaGrosse shows up in here. You know him, kind of a guy of the 90s, right? Uh, John C. McGinley, great character actor He's always fun, pops up in this Plays a asshole police chief in this one Pretty fun, good performance from him
2: Yeah, classic McGinley performance
1: Yeah, You know the thing about McGinley that I've always noticed uh, And I keep noticing more and more as I get older He has the smallest mouth, man
2: He does have a really small <laughs> mouth It's like he's overcompensating by running it all the time
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's such a smartass though I mean he really nails that tone of smartass Like boss type character just being a shit and uh you know anthony kiedis is in the film playing tone that's why i played the red hot chili peppers but also i want to mention we got to mention our ggtmc guy here we got we get we get some more vincent clinn we haven't had some vincent clinn in a little while war child himself little vincent clinn popping up baby little you know cyborg action uh, gangland a few other films we've done definitely you once you see vincent clinn you don't ever forget him so here he is again so uh only done 32 credits, but I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't pop on the show again someday. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause he he tends to pop up in stuff that we uh we enjoy watching. I forgot he was in Double Dragon. He's actually on that Briscoe County show. I remember the the Bruce Will- Bruce Campbell show. I almost said Bruce Willis. The uh he played a character kind of making fun of Western characters, and I believe the character's name was Utah Johnny Montana, <laughs> which I thought was a pretty funny end joke. So <laughs> pretty good so he he actually had a johnny utah character uh credit how how about that so
2: how about this too clint being cast in this film was more than just um sort of his action chops and his looks he was a pro surfer top five in the world at one point
1: yeah yeah i mean the guys uh if you've never seen him you kind of have he was in prey of the jaguar as well right we just did that recently and Yeah, yeah and he uh you know he he has a, he had a great look, he had a great face, great look, and um, you know obviously he only got cast as heavies, but uh, man, he just he, he's a, a very interesting looking gentleman. great eyes.:
2: What's great about his trivia is it tells me he's been in 12 Albert Puen films. Yeah, Puen loved and, him, yep and he's a huge fan of Italo dance
1: producer Molella. <laughs> that part, I did not know, <laughs> but I do know that, uh, Albert Pugh liked him a lot and used him often. So there you go. Kind of go hand in hand with each other. All right. So we had seen this film before. Will, what did you think on your rewatch? This is uh, actually behind the scenes. Will was thinking about picking this one as part of his picks for love month, but he kind of went another way. But by the time he had said it, I had in my head, wanted to talk about this so bad that I just used one of my picks for it. So that's kind of how this one came up. But what did you think on your rewatch of point break? So you said
2: this, but I think it's worth echoing. It's remarkable to me that we've never covered this film. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And uh, it feels like to me, this film is in some ways underappreciated because When we think about Swayze, like as an action hero, what's the first film you you think of?
1: Well, Roadhouse
2: is the first thing I think of. Yes, right. And when we think about Reeves, it's certainly not the first one that comes up.
1: No, that would be probably Speed for me. Speed, yeah, which is another another action. I mean, The Matrix is obviously very important, but honestly, when I think of Keanu Reeves, like the first thing that pops up in my head is well, it's two things: it's Bill and Ted's, and it's Speed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, and you think about Bigelow, this isn't the first one that comes up. No, this isn't my first Catherine Bigelow that comes up either. No, that would probably be Near Dark or, well, it'd probably be Near Dark. It'd yeah, probably be I'm that sure. one. Yeah. Pretty, maybe Hurt Locker, depending
2: on, you know. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I forget. She did do the Hurt Locker, didn't she? Yeah, I forgot about that. How about that?
2: Good filmmaker. Um, so this is one that, and when you think about like 80s action, you tend to think of like Cobra, Commando. Uh, or other things. 90s action, people tend to think of other films, whether it's... What, what year was Die Hard? 89 or 90 or
1: 91? Uh, it was either 88 or 89, I think. Right. I say. So
2: But my point is this. This is a loved film, but for some reason to me, it always seems to kind of get lost in the shuffle. And I think that's a shame. Because this is, for my money, one of the coolest setups and one of the better action films uh, of the 80s and 90s right yeah i agree american
1: action films period yeah 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 i think and you know watching this time i was surprised but it really does hold up
2: it holds up wonderfully i think it's an unbelievably cool setup like listen to that that summary again an fbi agent goes undercover to catch a gang of surfers who may be bank robbers and to (laughs) add to the visual flair (laughs) they wear dead president masks
1: yeah, which are which are awesome. They they the dead president masks really work well. They they're just off enough to make them a bit spooky, and they're just right enough to make them work completely as intimidating. Shout um, out, friends of Eddie Coyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really, I mean they they work really well here. They could like that, that could have went wrong, completely wrong. There's even some uh, dead president jokes in here. Yeah, there are. I'm not a crook, and, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? But yeah, there definitely are. But right? it, but it's and, fun, right? it's super fun
2: and not only that but as I'm watching it this time I'm thinking about what a unique setup this is to set this in California to set this among sort of the surfer crowd to, to bring us into that world even if it is a Hollywood view of that world it, it's a very unique backdrop for a, a crime film Um and it's a very region specific like yes they're surfing in Australia and other parts of the world but a lot of people, um, when they watch or when they think of surfing, they tend to think of like California, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I just think that's a really interesting thing that, you know, we've seen crime films. We've, we've seen a lot of things. But to have this, this backdrop of surfing is a really interesting thing. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, – sorry, I just had a message here. Um, the script in this is pretty peppy. You know, a lot of good kind of classic, like Dick and lines or kind of humorous lines. Um, I, you know, one, one more guy I want to mention, actually, before we, and I'd forgotten he was even in it until this time when I watched it, is John Philbin.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, John Philbin. Yeah, he's got, like, the Cardinal Richelieu mustache goatee going on here.
2: <laughs> he's he's great, and, of course, I'll always have love for Philbin because he's Chuck in True Living Dead.
1: Uh, yes, yes, that's right. I forgot about that, yeah.
2: Yeah, so that's always... And I'm like, oh, wait, where do I know him from? Because the mustache and goatee threw me off, so...
1: Yeah, the, the kind of punk rock hair, the kind of curly punk rock hair in that, right?
2: Uh, yeah, for sure.
1: So, yeah, this is a fun one. It's, it's a fun cast. Most of
2: the cast are pretty good. I think Bo Jesse Christopher's pretty awful in the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, In terms of acting chops. But, <laughs> you know, you can't have it all, I guess. He doesn't need to be a thespian, right? Um... And when I think about this film, too, the thing I think about is with Swayze, you know, gone far too soon. But I think about how deftly Swayze could toggle between stuff like Ghost and Dirty Dancing and then stuff like Roadhouse, which is a little bit of that kind of like tender heart mixed with the macho. And then you get this uh, and then like Steel. Was it Steel Dawn? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Can you think of another actor that toggled as effortlessly between something for the ladies, something for the dudes? Uh,
1: No, not really. I mean, I guess in some ways there's been guys like this since. who have kind of went back and forth. Uh, McConaughey Tatum does a little bit. Yeah, McConaughey's
2: tried. McConaughey, that's a good example, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, there's bound to be somebody we're missing.
2: I'm sure there is, but I guess the point I'm making that I, I know you get is there aren't a lot of these guys.
1: There aren't a lot of these guys. No, no. I do. What, I, what's interesting, I think about this is Swayze had that cross fan base where women would watch these films and men would watch the Swayze, the Dirty, uh, dancing, the dirty yeah. Dancings, and the you know the romantic films. Mm-hmm. I mean, even I'll admit the Ghost is a good film. I mean, I enjoy it. I mean. It's not something I rewatch a lot. Little too,
2: it's well made. Yeah, it's a little
1: too modeling for me. But at the same time, you know, I'll admit that you know I enjoy it.
2: There is worse sort of romantic films to watch.
1: Oh yeah, definitely.
2: Um, and I think as much I love, I love, uh, I love Reeves in terms of like seems like a wonderful dude. And in this, I will say this: I even I had to comment out loud. I'm watching the film with my wife. And our youngest son. And I'm like, man, the camera just loves Reeves. I mean, yeah. he is just, he's a very good looking man. And this film is like probably the peak, I think. Like the camera just loves him in this.
1: Yeah, I think he's, uh, you know, I was thinking about this. I made a note here in my notes that he's definitely going through his beefy period here. Yeah. Uh, he really bulked up, it looked like, between Speed and this and and a couple other films. He was kind of, he was not, not, you know, he was just, there was more mass on him. Yeah, um, he when he by the time he gets to the Matrix, he really kind of tones a way down. Right. He does big time. But I think the weight on him looks good. Right. It does, it does. It does It look good on him. Yeah.
2: Just loves him like this. My own private Idaho Speedy's uh, speedy's a little little beefier. I think this is kind of the sweet spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think Reeves is a great actor, but I do think he's good looking and well intentioned and likable enough that despite some stiff line delivery, you can go with it. Like you couldn't have two Reeves, like a Reeves-esque actor as the Bodhi and Reeves as Utah. Like you need to have, you need to have a little more, <laughs> a little more chops, I think. And thankfully Busey bails out. And again, I don't want to, you know, criticize Reeves too much. I think he's, he's great in the film as sort of the, the wide eyed kind of sweet young agent, but Busey bails out Reeves a lot. I don't know how much of that was by design to get a real pro, to kind of carry some scenes and then Swayze to carry some scenes and Reeves can kind of right. you know, surf by and, and do his thing without having to do much of the dramatic lifting, right?
1: Yeah, so I agree with you on a lot of the points you just made there. I think Keanu Reeves, I love Keanu Reeves. I do. Yes. Not just for what he is outside of filmmaking, because he seems like a very nice guy. He does. Um, but, and I, and I like his philosophies in life. I mean, he, yes. he just, you know, he's been on interview shows and he if he believes in what he says, I, I really kind of agree with him. That, you know, yep. just, you know, the life is short, you know, just, and, you know, be kind. Why not? I mean, what, what's it going to hurt you?
2: Oh man, for sure. Just
1: all those kinds of things. But I got to say as an actor, I've never thought he is a, I would never use the word thespian and no. Keanu Reeves. He's been in some stuff that I think he's really good in. Um, mostly for me, he worked best back when he was young and he was in like teenager driven stuff. Van Sant stuff, yeah, or, yeah. A yeah. film, Permanent Record, a film that he's in, I really like a lot, and he's really good in that. And then, of course, wasn't he? Wasn't he in Rivers? No, he was in. Was he in River's Edge? Was he was? Yeah, okay. Yeah, him and uh, him and uh, uh, Christian uh, Crispin Glover. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I like that stuff that he's in, uh, and I think he's really good in it. But he never really, I don't know. He's never a guy that if I'm going to go and watch, I never really think to myself. I'm watching a great actor, but I am watching a pretty solid movie star, and <laughs> I, th- I think that's where I think that's where he works best. Is you know I haven't I, still to this day I've not seen a John Wick film. But oh wow, that's yeah, but that seems to me like you know that's the kind of stuff he can make because of his power as as Keanu Reeves. And uh, but then I you know I think about other films he's been in. And nothing really comes to mind Is you know, he should have been, you know, maybe Oscar nominated that year or something. And nothing really just kind of jumps to my mind when I think of him that way. I'm but curious. Always yes, very serviceable. Yeah.
2: Well, that's right. Sorry to interject. I agree with you. And that's the thing. I, I think he seems like a wonderful human being. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy for his success because he does seem like a wonderful human being. He's likable and looks good on camera. But I can't think of a film... Save for maybe like some of that young stuff like River's Edge or My Own Private Idaho. Mm-hmm. Although I do really like him in Knock Knock, which is a fun kind of pulpy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still haven't seen that. I know what it is, but yeah. Maybe Scanner Darkly. He's pretty good in
1: that. Yeah, I mean he's he's good in everything.
2: But he's just not like.
1: But never What's his never great. crown
2: jewel. For me, yeah, I don't know. That's the thing. I'm kind of yeah. Like, I don't it, know.
1: It, it it might be either this or uh, speed or fuck. Maybe the Matrix. I don't know. Although I, when I think of the Matrix, I think of the Wachowskis more than I think of him.
2: I, I think maybe for me it's my own Private Idaho.
1: Eh, it might be that. Uh, although I, every time I think of that film, I think more of River Phoenix and R- I think of him. Yeah. Um, it might be these. You know, it might be these films. It might be these. I don't know. But yeah. honestly, to be honest with you, it's probably Bill and Ted. That's a great with this, and that's he's great in that. He's he is. That. He nails it. Right. He nails it. Yeah, so good in it. As a matter of fact, I don't know if he's ever going to be able to shake it.
2: No, and that kind of perpetuated,
1: <laughs> yeah, his whole career in a lot of ways. <laughs> absolutely,
2: absolutely. Um, so Busey's in this. We talked about it. it's great, but the one thing that's kind of baffling is he's the least convincing uh, Greek heritage police officer in the history of cinema or FBI agent.
1: <laughs> yes, like, yes. Not- I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't see him as a, a Greek individual here. But I, you know, <laughs> that's
2: a minor quibble.
1: Minor. minor quibble, yeah. He does like the meatball sandwiches. He does. He like. wants two of them, and he does think that Calvin Hobbs is pretty funny. Which I think is it's awesome. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> like Gary like Gary Busey laugh. <laughs> uh, it's
2: good, man. And again, he's he's just really good in this film. He's really good in this film. Uh, is this where the line "young, dumb, and full of cum" came from? I,
1: I don't think so. I, that line's been around for a while. I think it came out of the military, if I had to guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's definitely. It's definitely prominent in this film. <laughs> it, it is. It's a line you don't forget in this film. It's the way it's delivered, and uh, who delivers it, and you know how it's. It's an insult uh, of like the the. It's just like such a low, low ball insult. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah,
2: kidding. Um, you know, one piece of trivia I found just. I was I thought there'd be some good trivia. I'd love to hear a commentary for this. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think sending film. Is You know, and I thank God this didn't happen because we would not, would not be talking about this film right now. You know who was originally offered the role of Johnny Utah? Uh,
1: I do, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But I do remember it being like, well, that would have been weird. It would
2: have been terrible. Matthew Broderick.
1: That would have been, yeah, that would have been odd. Awful, man. Yeah, that would have been odd. I don't know. He he never really kind of crossed over into this kind of cinema, so I don't, I don't think, frankly, he he's has the believability to do that. Yeah, I don't think so either. I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't see it. I mean, he's made a career playing Matthew Broderick type characters, right? So he feels, yeah, he absolutely. But
2: Johnny Depp was offered the role or was auditioned. Charlie Sheen, William Dafoe turned it down. Yeah, that would have been a weird one too, but in a different way. Very interesting. Val Kilmer. So, so those some of those guys would have worked. I think Depp, Sheen, or Kilmer would have worked.
1: Uh yeah, all those would have worked. Although Kilmer seems like he might have been a little he might have overpowered Swayze a little bit. To yeah, me. he might have, right? And that's yeah. the thing, I guess, there. And then you gotta be a bit of a so the great thing about the Johnny Utah character is he's both he's both a a a, a lightning rod or a powerful, you know, like a like a Redwood. But he's also this kind of limp noodle young young guy.
2: yeah, wide-eyed lamb in a way. Yeah. And so he he, he does would have had a little too much juice for that.
1: Yeah, I think I don't think he could have pulled that off. Uh not by the time we see him now. But I think that that's what works so well with Keanu Reeves, is he's he's both, you know, he's like I said, he's this breadwood. he's this very stout, uh, you know, reliable type young cop, but he's also so naive that he almost gets himself in, in in some hot water. And I think that's what the whole point of this movie is, right? In over his head, naive, absolutely wide-eyed agent. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He, like he borders on the kind of cop who can't do undercover work. So Tom Sizemore shows up in a small role in this film. Um, And man, when Tom Sizemore was on, he was great. I feel like I did yeah. fantastic little turn in this, yeah. and Sizemore could bring it. Yeah, he could bring it back in the day, right? But Sizemore is the kind of guy that, you know, he's showing you the kind of guy that can get caught up in the undercover work to the point of maybe mental health problems. Whereas I think they're showing you that because they're showing you that Johnny Utah potentially could fall victim to this very easily. And that's what the great thing about the film, actually. The great thing about the film is actually sometimes you almost feel like, well, there ain't no sometimes to it. you see that Johnny Utah, he looks up to Bodhi. There's things about the Bodhi character that he admires. The big brother kind of thing going on and living life to its fullest. Um, yeah. There's some know. philosophical stuff in this yeah. that yeah. they lean into, right? Yeah. And I, and I think that's, that's why this works um, because the Johnny Utah character, even though he, he knows he has to do what's right for his job. And ultimately he does. There's just this respect um it 's very it 's very much an old western type thing in that way too that he has for the Bodhi character and these kind of philosoph- philosophical lines and you know i got, I got to be honest with you I mean some of the stuff bodhi says i mean obviously he 's doing bad things, but some of the stuff he says you know it makes sense agreed right you know that that 's the thing about it it's it 's the kind of stuff that like a cult leader would say, and you yeah. can kind of see that with the Bodhi character that people kind of look up to him as this wise old Uh, surfer dude that's in touch with the universe Mm
2: -hmm. very zen yeah
1: but in reality he's just a criminal who has a a charm very charming criminal which the best criminals are charming so yeah
2: Yeah, definitely Um, Busey was it so he mentions there's that scene was he in Endless Summer I feel like he was wasn't he maybe Uh,
1: not maybe I'm thinking of someone else I don't know. I can't remember. Big Was it Big Wednesday? He wasn't, yeah, he was in Big Wednesday, wasn't he? Maybe he was. That's what I'm thinking of, I think. Yeah, the John Milius film. Yeah, ironically enough. I think that's him in there. I'm going to go back and look, but yeah, that's also one I'm kind of surprised we haven't covered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I always forget Petty's in this, but I got to
2: say, and Bigelow, who we haven't talked a about, about a lot, fantastic filmmaker. It's a shame she wasn't more prolific. She's 70 now. Yeah, that, that that's nuts. To me, I think of her as like 50 in my mind.
1: Yeah, Gary Busey is in Big Wednesday with
2: uh, Jan Michael Vincent and William Kett. Yeah, so that's, that's something. There's this scene when he's kind of doing some surf stuff, kind of mimicking some surf stuff, and it's pretty uh, kind of meta. Um, but Petty, to get back to her, I think she's really good in the film. This is very much like a, a macho kind of bromance film, but Petty is really good in a supporting role here, I think.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I I don't know. I never really know how I feel about Lori Petty. So there's times when I really like her on screen and there's times when she's obnoxious. Yeah. Uh, that's and that's just my personal taste. It has nothing to do with her. I think she's fine in almost everything she does. It's just for whatever reason, sometimes she can be obnoxious to me, but she does a pretty good job here. Kind of trying to figure things out. And I like that. I like
2: that. We've seen worse female leads, right? I feel like she's, she's quite capable. Um, it's funny, the two films we're going to talk about this week and next both have female performances, like like almost singular female performances. I, don't, I can't think of off the top of my head another woman in the film. Mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. is there another woman in this film?
1: Uh, Not as a primary – no, not as a primary character. I mean, there are women in the background, right? But yeah, some background stuff, but that's about it. You see uh, Bodhi kind of – you know he realizes he's not going to be hooking up with the Lori Petty character, so he kind of just kind of moves around to some other ones.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Petty's good. I think in a in a small role here. You know, one thing that always struck me about this film is I feel like for a film that is as good as this is and feels like it's pretty tapped into that that surf sort of community, I feel like the soundtrack is really kind of lacking.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of songs that I like on there, and I almost picked one of them. Uh, it's an old Rat song, but yeah, uh, yeah, it it it. I don't think Bigelow. I don't think she's really good at that. When I think yes. of her films, I don't think of music and and visuals. Yeah. Mostly, I just think of action and uh, the way she is. Uh, her films are very testosterone filled, even though she's a female. They're very,
2: very testosterone fueled. Um, speaking of testosterone fueled, how about how about this? We get a beach football scene. Yeah, which is of course Johnny Utah's big break into the surf gang and what's what's awesome what's very ggtmc about this is there's dudes wearing jeans playing beach football yeah, yeah. Dudes wearing leather pants playing beach football yeah 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 and here's a fun fact so this beach football scene i'm watching it and i'm reminded of karate
1: kid in the soccer scene
2: oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> turns out same location well
1: there you go yeah yeah all we needed was some uh some uh what's her name uh i can't remember her name off the top of my head yeah, we need her. Yeah, we need her there. We do need her there.
2: Um, so that's funny. We get Anthony Kitas again. He was in Conan, now we get him <laughs> point break, amazing. So that's good. <laughs> you know, another film I can't help but think of a little bit as Lost Boys, like with that whole beach community thing, and it was really represented in that sort of early nineties on film. Yeah. You know? Um what else do we got here? So this has a few se- you know, a few good action beats. There's there's some, you know, the bank robbery stuff's good. There's some foot chase stuff that's really well done, really well shot. Um hand-to-hand stuff isn't great, but apparently all the actors handed it themselves. Kudos to them for that. But the big kind of the foot chase is good, but I think the big the big sort of crown jewel action piece here, of course, is the skydiving scenes.
1: Yeah, 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 and it's got a lot of fun dialogue in those scenes too, right? Really the, great, really kind of dick meat, swinging. Yeah, meat waffles. I meat like the uh, the sex with God. You can't beat that.
2: Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. How about this? Ray G G T M C. One of the big clues that that helps to crack this case is a bear a bear man ass. <laughs> That's like, true. I love that <laughs> one of the bank robbers moons the camera. Johnny Utah sees a man's bare ass later on in the film. And the wheels start turning like, I've seen that ass before. Yeah. It's like it's, uh, the tan lines, right? The, tams, the bare ass yeah. is like the, the clue that, that gets him on the case. <laughs> it's amazing. That, that's a very GGTMC thing. Uh, the press tams get him. How about this? I love the flamethrower gas station moment. Like That's a pretty crazy sequence. That's, that's it true.
1: is, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, the the action moments are way over the top. I mean, there's not only that sequence, but the great, you know, chase sequence on foot.
2: It's fantastic, yeah. You
1: know, yeah, I mean, there's just really good moments. A good car chase, not a great car chase, but a really solid car chase.
2: Yeah, solid for sure. Um, I got to say with the foot chase, and this is, I guess, just the practical, you know, 40-something in me. I'm thinking about the foot chase between Utah and Bodie, and I'm thinking about <laughs> – Bodhi wearing that mask. Listen, any one of our generation has worn one of those masks for Halloween and they're terrible. It's like a coin slot for eyes and mouth. I cannot
1: imagine running. Oh yeah. It'd be terrible. The sweat, the sweat would be awful, man. it's hot. But there is that, 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 that my favorite part of all that, it's very well shot, but my favorite part of that whole sequence is him hurting his knee. Yes. And pointing the gun and just the look on Bodhi's face. In the eyes. It's in, in the, the eyes, eyes. Yeah. Or in the and, mask. and it's just that moment between the two of them that now they both realize they know who each other, you know, who they are mm-hmm. and now, well, actually I think at that point only Swayze knows, right? I don't think, well, no, no. I think maybe he's picked it up and put it together.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think Utah's picked it up at that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's why he shoots it into the sky. Yeah. Yeah. Right? He shoots it in the sky out of anger. Yeah.
2: Yeah. As opposed to getting him. Um, that's a great moment. Uh, Petty to me, man, she looked like a female Bradley Cooper
1: <laughs> like, I'm just like I' you know what i, I you know I, the reason why I'm laughing and I pause is because I never thought that um <laughs> and now I can't unsee it uh it's very bizarre, uh yeah, okay, all right I'm gonna go with it on I, I can't unsee it now it's amazing
2: weird uh right? <laughs> a lot of digital ink has been spilled about the greatest handshake in action movie history, Commando. Is it Commando? No, no, it's Predator, Predator. Oh, yeah, my bad, Commando, shit, (laughs) Predator. Not enough digital ink has been spilled for arguably a more testosterone-laden and cooler handshake, the one in this, man. (laughs) It's pretty good. I mean, I'll still take the Predator one, but this is a pretty cool like, high-five handshake while they're skydiving.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's pretty awesome. Uh, I like it quite a bit. Yeah, the one in Predator is hard to pass up because it's like, you know, you see guys pushing too many pencils. Yeah, what's the that? <laughs> yeah, that one's, that one's just, uh, you know, that one's just all about the the sweat and the glistening muscles, right? This is, yeah, Spoiled. Yeah. But this one, this one is, uh, it's both testosterone-filled and fueled like most of this movie. But again, I think why this works for me, and I think you'd agree, is because it's also you know, there's a lot of philosophical stuff going on in here. Well, there is. And it it, it yeah, as much testosterone is being pumped and as much as Bodie's looking for adrenaline, he's also, you know, talking about the next life. And, uh, you know, when Johnny Utah says, I'm with the FBI, and he's like, yeah, isn't it great, man? He goes, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, and all that kind of stuff. And there's just this freedom that he's always speaking of. And I think that, entices him to everybody around him and makes him it makes him i mean literally patrick swayze's character Bodie character is just a, he's, he's pretty much a cult leader
2: he's like a jesus
3: right yeah,
1: yeah like some type of jesus some type of cult jesus leader in one way. yeah had well, a
2: better tan but
1: <laughs> yeah 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 and yeah. i think that's what makes him so interesting as a character as a bad guy because again the Pappas character—he's older, he's more—he's been through it. He doesn't see these things, but Johnny Utah's—he's on both sides of the coin. He's—he's he's starting his career. He has an idea of what he wants to be, but I think there's a part of him that believes what Bodie believes. A hundred percent, and that's why this works.
2: A hundred percent, and I think there's a sense that Utah's character has been a bit on the outside he was a football player he got hurt he got pushed away from something he loved now he's on the outside looking in becomes an agent he's a bit betwixt in between he was a bit of a curio piece because he's an athlete who becomes an agent like an fbi agent now he's an fbi agent trying to become a surfer so he's always on the outside looking in and i think he gets bodhi puts his arm around him and i think there's there's a very much that's where the the bromance comes from right like there's Mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. this friendship this bonding right um and the other thing I think we got to mention here, too, is this is a time when you're really starting to see um, skateboarding, surfing, BMX, X Games, all that stuff's really starting to come over, like MTV's pushing it. This is becoming much more popular in pop culture, too, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. So you're getting that in the film. Um I love uh, a couple nods here. So the free fall is great. We, we spoke about that. And what's great in the free fall is it's got truly and inarguably the most GGTMC line of all time. <laughs> Adios, amigo.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. That is here. Vaya Candios. Right. Yeah. And then there's that Vaya Candios as well later on. Yep. Uh, um, but the free fall is great. Super, super like dick swing and macho after you, after you, Alphonse. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah,
2: right. yeah. Really cool. Um, but I had to laugh. Two things. I love the kind of nod to Kubrick's the killing. Oh yeah. I don't want to spoil that and for you know, people who haven't seen either of these films or one of these films. And I had to chuckle later on when they hit the ground, they almost look like two lovers in the sheets when the shoot finally gets pulled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty amazing.
1: Yeah.
2: Um and yeah, we get a Canadian tuxedo. Uh, Towards the back end for the big apprehension, you know we got to go with the tux. Being being uh, Canadian, he's got to rep the Canadian tuxedo when he does. And final note, not so much about the film, but just thinking about bromances. I want to mention another film for a minute. I'm probably going to pick it next year for Love Month, if I remember. It's Harley Davidson, the Marlboro Man. Oh yeah 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 yeah. I love that film. I love the bromance in that. That's a they really underappreciated, like buddy action film. But I
1: anyway. Uh, yeah, I've no, confirmed. it's really great. Those, those two guys are great together. Mickey Rourke and Don Johnson. They're great together.
2: Together, man. But no, those are all my notes. Like I said, um, this this is a good one. As much as it's loved, I feel like it just falls through the cracks sometimes. So I'm glad you picked it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it has an affection uh, amongst its fans and amongst people. There's no doubt about that, but it does seem to kind of slide through for whatever reason and again i think that the reason why this film works it's not really just the action in the filmmaking although Catherine bickle does a great job i think here but (laughs) it's it is the relationships um you got only not just the Bodie johnny utah relationship but you got the pappas johnny utah relationship
2: that's wonderful that's almost like father it's almost like father son and brothers like father son is the pappas one and then It's like big brother, little brother with Utah and Bodhi.
1: Yeah, and I think those relationships are what make the film work. And then, of course, Bodhi's relationship with his people. Yeah. As irritating as some of them are and as broad as some of those characters are,
2: few of them are.
1: Yeah, you can see these guys really look up to him. They absolutely do. And they feel like, you know, he, I mean, and and Swayze looks older than them. I don't know how much older he is than some of these actors. I'd say he's a little bit older than some of them. But yeah. he he definitely looks older than them and kind of carries himself off as this kind of father figure and leader. And I think yeah. it really works, to be honest with you. It really works. Um, mm-hmm. Film still looks great. I agree with that. Um, putting together you know extreme sports and adrenaline junkies and bank robbers is a genius idea. I don't know how anybody didn't come up with that before this film. Maybe that's because yeah. extreme sports were not really as big until they became big. But... It would make total sense to me that somebody that's looking for the adrenaline rush of skydiving, major surfing, jumping motorcycles over ravines and everything else would want to be, you know, chased by cops and everything else. Right. Or do things that are against the law because you're not supposed to. So I think looking for the ultimate ride, that's what makes it pretty awesome. And there is something, even me, I don't look for that kind of stuff. I'm not that kind of person. I'm not an adrenaline junkie, but I... Do know I have experienced those kinds of situations, and it is quite empowering, that rush of adrenaline you get. I mean, it's kind of unbelievable uh, what that does to you. Um, but, but I think some, when they're playing football, didn't somebody say Johnny fucking Utah? I think, somebody, I think somebody says that at some point, which I think is pretty awesome. I think they do, yeah. yeah. Um, what. Well, I think what I came away from this from, you do have to ask yourself in some way, why does the film persist in this almost bubble slash cult status? Why isn't it bigger? I I don't know if it's the leads, if it's the availability of the film, if people kind of overlooked it in some ways. I mean, I do think it does have a following and everybody pretty much of a certain type of film fan knows what it is. I mean, if I say point break, they're going to know what it is. Um, but you got to wonder why it didn't catch on like, uh, no, don't get me wrong. Die Hard is very influential. Um, but you got to wonder why it didn't catch on like something like Die Hard or something like that. And let's yeah. and, and, and kind of stick around. Now, Lethal Weapon has shared some similarities with this. Uh, 48 Hours share some similarities with this. Obviously, yeah. those came before I think lethal weapon came before this. Yeah, it did. It did. Um, so you have that element and this, this has always kind of been there. This is in the Westerns too, right? Pat Barrett and even Pat Garrett and Billy, the kid, which is, we've kind of talked about online a little bit lately. Um, even that's this basic premise of good guy or maybe, you know, Pat Garrett once being a bad guy, turning into a good guy. Now having to take down his friend, you know, and everything else. So you, you have this relationship throughout cinema history. This is not a new relationship, but I, I just got to wonder, I'm actually kind of surprised it didn't spawn some Johnny Utah films or something. Mm. I don't know how big of a hit it was. I can't remember. I just remember that I was not super interested in going and seeing it. I don't know why at the time. And then when it came out on video, I can remember, I can vividly remember renting it on VHS tape and thinking I may not like this film and then watching it and being like, Holy shit, this movie's great. Why why didn't people, you know, why didn't more people talk about this movie? And it still feels like that now when I talk about it. It still feels like, you know, why isn't this one quoted more? I mean, there's some things that are quoted, but you got to feel like there's a lot of lines in here that, you know, nobody talks about, you know, and and I kind of like that. I kind of wonder about that too. Why isn't it persisted in our culture like Die Hard and anything? Yeah, and I'm not taking away anything from those films. I understand the, the influence Die Hard had. There's no doubt about it. There was 100,000 derivatives of Die Hard after Die Hard. But I I just don't understand why this one kind of got lost in the shuffle. Maybe we were past the buddy cop stuff. Maybe we wanted the lone hero again. That, that's probably it more than anything, I would guess. Not that they're buddy cops, but they're buddies. It's so, it's it's just very strange to me, though. Like you said, I
2: because, and again, I hate, I don't want it to, I, I want to be clear, I like Die Hard.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: But I've never understood... How much love Die Hard gets. I think it's a very good action film. I prefer this to Die Hard. Yeah. It's, it's a bit baffling to me that when you have like the bromance angle of this, you have surfing, you have the the aerial stuff, um, the bank robber, like the cops and robber stuff. It's just it's baffling to me, right? Mm-hmm. Like it it just why does Die Hard get all the love and this one just seemingly has fallen through the cracks for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. It's and it, not to say this is like some unknown, this isn't like the farmer or something, but it just is baffling to me.
1: Baffling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is a cultural thing. I think it's just, you know, diehard hit at the right time. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a change in action star. And I think, you know, that, that, that every time I think about it, I think that's the key. I do think it's a very well-made film. I don't know which one I prefer over these two. Um, they kind of feel the same to me in a lot of ways, but, um, I think that's mainly when I think about it culturally, I think people were ready for the average Joe action hero. Uh, Mm -hmm. and I think that's why it permeate permeated and kind of stuck around as, as much as it did and became so influential because up to that point, all of our action heroes were really big beefcakes, you know, and they were, they seemed like they were getting bigger. And then here comes Bruce Willis, who's essentially got for lack of a better term, you know, the dad bod. Yeah. And I think people could relate to that. And of course, you know, I think John McTiernan is a really good filmmaker. So I th- I think that they He is. You know, it just it, I think it was a zeitgeist moment. I think it's what Die Hard was and just one of those moments where film was influenced by that. And you know, there's a lot of great derivatives of that and there's a lot of bad derivatives of that. Um but, you know, there was the same thing with 48 hours, same thing with Lethal Weapon. Same thing with a lot of these films. But yeah, I don't know if I had to choose between the two, I don't know what I would choose. I, I don't know where I would stand. I really don't. Um, I'll just say that I think this one it holds up extremely well. It's it's a fun. It's not just the the buddy mentality of it. It's actually just a pretty good cop film too. And I like I like that his undercover is. I like that it's blown about halfway through the film. You, you know that they, they don't they don't stick with it. You know what I mean. That is a bit of a
2: surprise, right? Because you would think it would just build to a big reveal at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Not here. But no, it's they go from that. Say, like, okay, where do we go from here?
1: Yeah, right. and I, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. That Bodie kind of knows, but Agreed. he still has this mutual admiration for Johnny Utah. So what happens yep. is, and I think that's what the genius of this movie is. Johnny Utah has this admiration for Bodie, and then the things get switched. Now Bodie has this admiration for Johnny Utah. Yep, and I think that's why it works. And uh, it, it, uh, to me, that that's what made, that's what makes it kind of a special action movie. Uh,
2: oh, I agree. And listen, I got to say this because my Canadian citizenship would be revoked <laughs> if I didn't mention this. This is a young blood reunion for Swayze and uh, Reeves. Man, oh, is it hockey film?
1: Wow, I forgot. Rock, I forgot. Louder. Yeah, well, I forgot Swayze was even in that. Yeah, man, he's done. Wow, I forgot he even in that film. I know the film.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a cult classic, uh, especially
1: north of the border here. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> might need to rewatch that. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, I might need to rewatch that. I haven't watched that in forever. Wow. Yeah, there he is, Patrick Swayze, right cable, on the Cable man, cable staple back in the day. Yeah, right on the cover, Rob Lowe. Yeah, Ed Lauder. Lauder, yeah, man. Might have to. I have to uh, cover this at some point. Maybe we should. Go back should. and maybe. look at it. And yeah, it know would what we be fun. Do? Why don't we do, like,
2: I don't know, maybe this <laughs> would be the one, like Canada Day is July 1st. <laughs> maybe I, we pick it that week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm okay with that because I totally would rewatch this. Yeah. Totally. I would love to rewatch <laughs> it. Yeah.
2: Lots of feathered hair.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, I remember liking the film. I remember I always liked the film. I mean, it's not amazing, but it's it's definitely. A, it's it's kind of like all the right moves for hockey, yeah. Right, that was like high school football, right? So, yeah, man. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I do remember liking it quite a bit. And uh, Ed latter I believe, if I'm if I remember correctly, he's like the dad that doesn't want young blood. uh, Because I do remember the Rob Lowe's character is actually young blood, that he doesn't want young blood messing around with his daughter. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. Okay, I I thought I was right about that. Yeah. I remember that, yeah, but I don't remember Swayze in the film. Isn't that weird? He was the cat, if I remember because He's been a long time. I think he was the captain of the hockey team. Ah, man, I need to go back and look at that. I really do. He was the goalie. Well, who, in fun fact, he was a goalie. Like
2: when he lived in Toronto. Man,
1: nice, nice. Uh, yeah, but I don't have much more to add. I mean, this is a classic film. I, I do honestly believe. I mean, this is this is a classic action movie. Great poster. It's one of the few posters where I like that they use the faces of the actors. Agreed. It, like it really works, and uh, yeah, man, I, I I love this movie. Let's kick it over to you. Make or breaks MVTs. Make or break. A lot of fun scenes
2: in this, but I think as an action, oh man, this is a tough one because I like some of the scenes, like the kind of bromance stuff. I love when it's almost like the like the like the macho dude version of a meet cute when the relationship gets taken to the next level when Bodhi saves him and like they do like a karate fight on the beach. Against like Anthony Kiedis and Vincent Quinn. <laughs> Yeah.
1: you know that's a good scene at that's the showers, man. At the showers, baby, at the
2: showers no less. <laughs> that's when the bromance levels up. Yeah, but I, I really got to go with the skydiving because I think it's from a technical standpoint, the audio is good, the video looks good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a real, it's something you don't see a lot in films, and it's done really, really well. So I'm gonna go with the yeah.
1: skydiving. I, I like that sequence a lot too. Yeah,
2: it's so good. MVT few good candidates here I gotta go Swayze I want to give Swayze his flowers it's tough sometimes to pull off that anti-hero or the 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 villain that you come away you know being more charmed and not to say Utah's not great he's great and wide-eyed and likable but I think this reminds us why Swayze was was so good and I I just I kind of regret that he didn't we didn't get to see him in more stuff like this, you know. He was an interesting guy, and he, he was classically trained in dance. His mom had like a dance studio, I think, or something, which is where yeah. that came from. But yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, did his own stunts. He loved skydiving. Did all of his own skydiving stuff. And I just think he's one of those guys, you know. His body of work in genre film wasn't as as extensive as I would have liked. Um, and I wish he even had to work with some other kind of interesting directors. Because I think he's a really good actor that never. You know, he's kind of thought of him more as like a chick flick thing with a few culty films mixed in. But I don't know. I think it's a shame because I think he was—he was really good, man.
1: He was. I, I think what I liked about him is, you know, uh, to talk about it now. What I liked about him was is that he could uh, kind of cross over into everything. I mean, yes. uh, he could do it all, exactly. and uh, that's not—that's uh, not an easy thing to do. There's just, like you said, there's not a lot of actors that can do it. They
2: can be kind of the the romantic lead and the action hero. And yeah. my score for this is. An- Eight point two five out of
1: ten. Yeah, I think you know even like the big actors. Like when I think of Tom Cruise, you know, I very rarely think of any romantic films he did. I know he did a couple of romantic esque type films, maybe Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> that one's that one's kind of yeah. But I mean, I'm sitting there thinking about you know like did he do? He didn't do like is there like a? I don't know if there is like a Dirty Dancing type film in Tom Cruise's filmography. There might uh, be. Was I mean it is like. In his lifts,
2: yeah. trying to look tall and dance,
1: yeah, it's been amazing. I would, I, I would think that there is something in there because you know he's smart enough to know that he has to, he has to have the the female quotient as well as the male quotient to be as popular as possible, right?
2: So the last thing I really liked him in a romantic angle was maybe Risky Business with Rebecca De Marnay.
1: I don't know. Yeah, that one, but that one's that one's kind of a weird movie because I mean, even though it's romantic, it's yeah, you know, it's also kind of, right. it's, it's kind of arty and kind of perverted too. Right and transactional yeah yeah type. yeah yeah it's it's interesting i'm looking maybe cocktail maybe that was one but that's maybe still
2: cocktail evil top gun there's a little bit but that's not the
1: yeah
2: the, yeah the but I, it's funny you, you mentioned McConaughey. i think he's probably the best example another texas guy by the way yeah,
1: yeah yeah yeah
2: um another guy that could kind of do both and there's not too many of
1: those well, I'm always kind of surprised when I go back and look at through Tom Cruise's uh, history that the first film he ever did he actually worked with Franco Zeffirelli. That that blows my really? mind. Yeah, Endless Love is the name of the movie. I don't I don't think I've ever seen it. I have not. Uh it's, it's about it's Brooke Shields and Martin Hewitt and uh, they're um uh teenage lovers, blah blah blah. That kind of film. But it's a Zeffirelli. Oh man, Ian Ziering's in this film too. Wow. Wow. Oh. James Spader, Ian Ziering, Tom Cruise. Man, I, don't, I, don't, I need to go back and look at it just to see how young these people look. That's got to be crazy. I bet Ian Ziering doesn't look anything like Ian Zering. <laughs> anyway, but I don't really see anything in Cruz's uh, filmography that's kind of like that. He kind of, he, for the most part, seems like even though he has, uh, has uh, kind of crossed over in some ways with some type of romantic type stuff like Far and Away, or yes, that's true. That's the
2: one I think, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or eyes wide shut a little bit. Like you said, even though that is a Kubrick film, so uh, it's kind of different
2: odyssey into the male.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Know. But you know, I mean, honestly, he's really kind of, you know, you could say what you want to say about the guy, but he's controlled his career unbelievably to the mm-hmm. point to where, you know, he knows exactly what he, what he, what he offers and what he doesn't offer. So, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know if Swayze did that cause Swayze could come around and he would do, you know, something like uh, Black Dog, right? Or something like, you know, kind of a yes. like B-action B movie. And then, you know, uh, a film that's underrated, they did the the remake of uh, uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Was it Tu Wong Fu? Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar or whatever? Yeah. Which he's really good in. So, yeah, I mean, he could do it all. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, my MVT for this one, I'm going to go, ooh, man, this is tough, honestly. I'm going to go with Bigelow. I'm going to go with her. Yeah. Make a break for me. I totally agree with you. The skydiving scene. It's great. I'm going to go with the chase though. The foot chase. It's a
2: great visceral foot chase. Yeah.
1: I love that. I love them running through the houses and whatnot. But what I also love about it is the moment of silence at the end, the kind of tantrum he throws. And then the kind of silence of just hearing the footsteps run away. I love that. It's really, really good filmmaking kind of takes you up and down, up and down, up and down. Kind of like that a lot. My score is just a tad bit lower than yours, eight out of ten. I love this movie. Um, I think it's great. I think it'll always be great, and uh, I think it's kind of timeless. It yeah, is, you know. That's one of the great things about it. It's kind of it's kind of a timeless film. They don't spend a lot of time. By this time, cell phones exist. I think they may use them a little bit in the movie. There's one brick cell phone. I kind of chuckled at. Yeah, but they don't really use them much. And it's like old school police work. It's kind of a, you know, it's kind of an old school cop film in a lot of ways. So without
2: looking dated, right? Like you said, yeah. I think timeless is a good way to put it, right? Like I'm sure yeah. surfers, if we went to the beach, I'm sure there were surfers today that would look like this.
1: I'm sure there are. There's probably surfers who admire Bodie.
2: <laughs> and, I, and I bet you there's like dads that are dressed like Busey in this. He's got like the dad Hawaiian shirt and khakis thing going on. And
1: <laughs> yes,
2: on like the vacation.
1: There's uh, no doubt that exists. No doubt. Oh yeah. Um. All right. So that is our thoughts on uh, Point Break. Um. What uh. What are we doing next week, Will? Well, we're gonna uh,
2: we're gonna hit a real heavy hitter next week. Okay. We went back to have we done i'm surely we've done some shakespeare adaptations
1: i'm right, surely we have Well, yeah throne of blood was one throne of blood yes yes which uh, you know not which coincidentally yeah i know that that kind of we're still in a little that, bit of thunder there but yeah that's okay but that's that, okay. there's there's been some other ones too i mean really there's a lot of films based on I'm shakespeare i'm sure a lot of films yeah. if you really look at it uh, listen certainly we have but
2: uh, there's no thunder to be stolen because this film has Thunder in spades. Yeah. Uh, it is Akira Kurosawa making his return to the GGTMC. I wanted to get something really epic from one of the all-time great filmmakers, like for me, and I think probably for you, Mount Rushmore, filmmaker, real master. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, 1985's Ron. So nice. It's going to be a good one. Good conversation.
1: Yeah, that is going to be a good one. Uh, been a little while since we've done Kurosawa, hasn't it? It has been it's been
2: definitely been a while and it's funny that Ron and Point Break were only made 6 years apart.
1: <laughs> uh that is weird. I have some uh as you guys know we record two episodes in one week. I have some uh very strong opinions on Ron this time around. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, we'll we'll see. We'll talk about it. Not to give anything away. We'll talk about it here. Well, actually we'll talk about it here in about 10 minutes, but <laughs> people yes. will hear it next week. <laughs> uh okay um that's gonna be awesome i'm looking forward to that always fun to do kurosawa uh make sure, uh, sure to check out some of our other shows that uh, we are associated with not a bomb watch get plus feminine critique night living podcast Mary with clickers see here love that album calvin from outer space raiders of the podcast uh john's youtube channel now for something a little bit different am i missing anybody I'm wondering if I am missing anybody. You think I'm missing anybody? I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Yeah, next time,
2: and one of these weeks we'll write it down. We promise.
1: I just wrote these down, and I feel like I got them all, but I don't know if I got them all. I'm going to listen more intently next week. <laughs> and <if> <laughs> Tell yourself that. In other I words, you're <laughs> looking at the Tyanakadai in full makeup. To <laughs> yeah, just- yeah, yeah. He does. Uh, there is some heavy makeup use in Ron. Um, all right, we'll uh, catch you guys on the flip side. Hang loose. And uh, you only live once, baby. Stay out there. Don't get too bodied up, though, please. And, no. oh, and always use the sex wax. Yeah, always. I'll say adios. Adios.
0: Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com.